All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of the Business of Fitness podcast brought to you by the NC Fit Collective. I am here with Mr. MDV, and we have a really cool topic to discuss today. So we get on phones with the gym owners all the time. And from my perspective, one of the big things we hear is traditionally these gym owners will get to roughly 100 to 120 members, give or take. They have roughly five to six classes a day, give or take, and they're coaching all of them. Mm. And what we hear is, hey, I don't make enough money to pay a coach, right? So I don't pay a coach. So I'm coaching all the classes. And, you know, the, the problem is if you never pay a coach, you'll never be able to pay a coach, right? And I say that again, if you, if you never pay a coach, it'll be hard for you to ever pay a coach because what happens is a revolving door process, I call it, where you, you know, MDV at, let's just say 6 a.m. or the 9 a.m. class is not the same one five, six classes later at night. So the problem is you're not providing the service necessary in the evenings and you're not getting outside the gym because you're coaching all the classes. So yeah. who's responsible for growing the business? Yeah. So, so I think the topic for today. Let's do a you know 20, 21 minute AMRAP. It just sounds nice for today. 21 minute solid AMRAP for all of you guys. On the topic of your gym owner, you have X amount of members, you've already kind of solidified it. Maybe you're six months into business, one year, and you need a higher coach. How do you know you need a higher coach? What are the steps? What are you looking for? How many classes should coach coach in a row? Yeah. Let's talk it through. All right. 21 minute AMRAP. Looking forward to this one. Three, two, one, and let's go. All right, MDV. So like I said, I'm a gym owner. I have a hundred members. Let's just say I'm coaching all the classes, but I found myself kind of stuck at this number for the last, let's just say year, two years. I'm kind of mm-hmm. stuck at a number. I would, I would, I would say it's due to two things. Number one, if you're coaching all the classes a day, who's out there growing your business. Yeah. And the second problem is I assume if you're coaching all the classes, you're probably not delivering a phenomenal product or at least a consistent product throughout all of them. So my, my question to you is this, how many classes, at least at NC fit, let's talk about us. Cause I think it's important. How many classes do we encourage coaches to coach in a row? Mm-hmm. What's the maximum class load? What does that look like for a full-time coach of ours? Okay. So, um, you know, I, I, I like this topic a lot because I think that there's a lot to unpack, whether you're a sole proprietor, you know, you're running your own business, you're the owner and head coach, or you have a staff of people underneath you. And I, I, let's tackle, like, I want to talk about what you were saying. Um, if you're the only person running the ship, how are you working on your business? If you're working in your business all the time, if you're so head down in the weeds, when are you ever coming up for air to grow your business enough to actually hire somebody to grow your business more, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's say we've gotten to that point and now we have somebody on our team, on our staff, and you're splitting up the classes. Now we're talking about energy levels, right? And you're talking about excellent coaching across all of those classes. And that should be the expectation is that every time a coach takes the floor, you got to throw your fastball, man. Like you got to go out there and you got to whip it down the middle. You, you can't go out there and bring this low energy BS because you're tired. It's the end of the day, whatever. The members don't care. Right. They don't know that. Right. It's not, it's not their it's prerogative. Not their pro- to, well, yeah. it's not their problem. Exactly. Right? If you've coached it four classes in a row, they first off, they don't know that. And secondly, it's not, it's not, not of their concern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you're going to be on the floor, you gotta bring, you gotta bring the heat. What I've found in my experience is that most coaches can probably only handle three 
maybe four of those types of classes in a row. Maybe, big maybe. Three for me is the limit in a row. I, that's what I like to see a coach do. Because at that point, the type of energy, the type of experience, the type of teaching, seeing and correcting that I'm expecting out of that individual, it's so energy consuming. You should be drained after three classes if you're giving it your all like that. And you need to step away. You need to let your eyes rest because it's a lot of, it's a lot of investment. It's a lot of time, not only physically, you know, you're moving around, you're active, you're coaching, you're demonstrating, but emotionally you're investing, you're getting in there with the athletes and then your mental game, like you need to be able to see nuances in movement. And unfortunately what happens to everybody is that over the course of three or four hours, your eyes start to get used to their shitty movement. Like your, your eye is not as good in hour four, or hour five than it was in hour one. And that's the reason why if you go to the beach and you watch lifeguards, they rotate every hour or so. Because you, you can't see things that you would have seen if you're up on the stand for three, four hours in a row. You just start to get tired. Right. So I think, I mean, I think as a good rule of thumb, you know, three in a row is good. Mm -hmm. Now, here's another problem, right? You're an owner operator and you, the, 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 one of the concerns with our business is that our business has counter hours to a typical business, right? So a typical business starts at five, you know, um, 8 a.m., Finishes at 5 p.m., yeah. let's just say, give or take. So as a byproduct, our, you know, packed hours are the offset of those in general. Generally. Now, there's, there's exceptions. So if, you know, 5 a.m. is a huge class of ours, 6 a.m. is a big class, 7 a.m. is a big class, but so is 5, 6, 7 p.m., mm -hmm. right? So now if you're an owner-operator and you want to accommodate those peak hours, I think you're running into a big problem because you might not be coaching three classes in a row, but if you're coaching at 6 a.m., and 6 p.m. on a regular reoccurring basis, that becomes tough. And over time, you need to make a, you know, you need to adjust. When we first opened the gym in 2008, we didn't necessarily have a formal group, you know, schedule. We did, but we didn't. We, I kind of, I was there whenever anybody wanted to walk in the door. You know, if someone called me, they wanted to walk in at 9 p.m., that's fine. I remember this one time, there was four girls from Santa Cruz University, which I went to school with. And they called me like three or four times for the duration of the day. Okay, we'll be there. We'll be there. Like we were talking it through, right? And at that time, I had gotten to the gym at like 5 a.m. because someone wanted to come in. And they had told me they wanted to come after class at 9 p.m. And I was like, dude, wow. for three or four signups, hell yeah. So now I was there from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. Turns out they didn't show up. And you know, that was a, that like left one in my heart, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I was feeling so, burned. I felt so burned. And but anyways. Regardless of the fact, even if they had came in, mm -hmm. I mean, the Jason that showed up at, you know, for the morning class, not the same that comes in at 9 p.m. And so what we find from some of these owner operators is that it's not necessarily that they're coaching too many classes in a row. It's oftentimes they have a huge gap. And, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, so, I, you know, we're talking in generalities here, too. Like, in general, a person who's waking up at 4.30 in the morning to open the gym coaching, you know, the morning classes there through the middle of the day, coaching the noon, take care of business matters through the afternoon, coaching until the evening. In general, that's going to be a pretty taxing day on somebody, just generally, all right? There are specific instances. So I, I, know, I know a really good friend, um, Matt Frankel, CrossFit City Line in Newton, Massachusetts. He's a member of CrossFit Seminar staff. When he opened up his gym, he coached every single class, I think for a span of 
like two or three years. Right. And he runs a fantastic, fantastic gym in business. They have a lot of members. He does it right. But he, he wanted to make sure the experience was so dialed in that everybody who walked through the door was going to get an excellent class, an excellent experience. They were going to shake his hand. He's an awesome, he's an awesome, awesome guy, super friendly dude. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody is that level of committed, that level of energetic, that level of this is going to succeed no matter what. If you are like that, that's great. Get out there, grind, do your thing. But so, everybody's human but too. Some, you're but gonna at need some to take a break. Point, yeah, you gotta. It, it's not even necessarily taking a break. If if you want to scale, you know, I remember, you know, I mean, if you want to scale, you have to be able to do it. I mean, I coached every class at our gym mm -hmm. for at least a year, mm -hmm. right? Or I was at least present for it, at least. But for me, you know, we had we had goals of growth. We had goals of moving forward. And so we had to get people on the team to help us do oh, that yeah, kind of for stuff. Sure. You know, I remember someone came up to me and was like, hey, you know, you have, you, do you have a hobby or do you have a business? And a hobby is something where, you know, if you're not there, it doesn't run. And a business is something if you step back, the business will continue to run. And so I think, you know, hiring good qualified coaches to help support you is, is a critical piece. Now, there's exceptions to that, right? Mm -hmm. You can go for two or three years. Yeah. But if you have goals to open up a second location or if you have goals to be able to take time off to go whatever, it's it's you gotta find some somebody to you gotta hire somebody. And yeah. You gotta pay them. Of course, of course. And I, I you know, since Matt has grown and his gym has has done very well, he's brought people onto the team, but he's done so strategically, right? So the first few years of his gym when they were building their membership, he was he was the guy. He was the only person there. Now you're talking about hiring people, whole different set of considerations when you're bringing people on the team. Because guess what? When you walk away from the gym, you have to trust this person so implicitly that they're going to do the right thing for the right reasons at all times. And that's really tough. Yeah. Because you, it's tough to find good people that you can trust in any business, in absolutely any business. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a little easier to find it sometimes in the in the business and the community that we're in because right. it, this generally attracts it, it, pretty it attracts, good people. It attracts good people. That's right. We, we are blessed in that sense. But you're still, Jason, the business owner, you invest in this person, whoever it is, male or female, you're handing over the keys to that to the gym to that person and you're walking away. Man, you gotta be able to trust that person, right? That's that's the most important thing. Yeah, trust, development. And you know, that brings us to a to a couple things. One is you know, we start off this conversation by if you never start paying an instructor, you're, you're never going to be able to pay an instructor. And I think the topic here is that it's challenging to coach all your classes. If you're working in your business, who's working on the business. And I think at some point you need to just kind of step up and, and, and move the ball forward. Now let's talk about a few things. For me, the way we acquired our first coaches, mm -hmm. and this is just speaking from our perspective, was members who were in the gym. They, they were consistent members for me. This is how we found them originally, yeah. right? Now we don't, of course, but yeah. we used to. Where, you know, our, t our first like six, seven coaches came as members and they were phenomenal uh, people because they saw the way I coached. I was in the gym every day, all day. And so they kind of picked up what I was, what I was putting out there. Mm -hmm. Right, wrong, or indifferent, they kept the same theme because mm -hmm. they learned from me. Now, when we first started, this is something we did. I don't know if you've seen this, but they would be... Um, assistant coaching, I would be coaching or vice versa. So this kind of like back and forth, right? Where you're still there mayoring around, talking yeah. to people, but they're leading the way. You're, you're doing like an informal onboarding process, training on the job type of stuff. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we need to do an episode down the road about how we onboard coaches, how we train them, how we bring them on, the pitfalls and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but just really quickly, because it can be successful to bring on 
members onto your coaching staff. And often it's, it's the easiest way, especially if you're growing. and Especially in the beginning. Right. And, you're seeing yeah. people who express interest. You trust them. You know them. Right. I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on you right here because I, I've seen that go horrifically oh, wrong. Oh, for too. sure. For sure. Because when you for transfer sure. someone from a member to now a coach, the expectation is now all of a sudden very, very different, right? There, there's some sort of classification of employee underneath you now, right? So expectation brings me to a quick point for you. Yeah. What if you're not paying them MDV? Oh, that's really tough. I would not recommend that. I do, I do not. But like I mean, don't you want to trade out for a free membership? No, I mean, no, 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 no. So no. if you coach once a week, I'll give you a free membership. No. Why not? I'll take anything else in the world. I'll take any sort of consideration you want to give me instead of the trade. <laughs> because here's the deal. You can't expect somebody to do the job the way that you want it done if you're not paying them, if you don't establish this formal relationship with them. Like this bro deal that you're going to handshake me, it, it just almost never in my in my experience, works out the way that you want it to work out. And then down the road, you have a really difficult conversation yep. with somebody who's a friend. Yep. And now you got to be like, you're not doing your job. And he's going to go, well, I'm actually not getting paid. Right. And so, then you're shit out of luck. So on that note, right, um, you talk about expectations. From my experience, we initially started off, we didn't pay our coaches in the beginning, beginning, beginning. But then soon, soon after we started mm -hmm. paying them, um, I didn't pay them appropriately, like, um, <laughs> like not, not necessarily the fee, but like I never taxed them. I didn't do any of that stuff, which yeah. we, we need to talk about. But the point was I started paying them because I found it hard to say, hey, you know, you're supposed to be on Saturday. They would call me on Friday, say, oh, I can't make it on Saturday. And because to them, it's a low priority. Yeah, right? anything else in the world is more important. That's right. Usually. And so I think what's really important is, and I wish I'd done this earlier, and for anybody listening, please take this to heart. Bro deals just, just should stop. I've done more bro deals than probably most gym owners. Yeah. I've done plenty of them. From car, you name it. From you name the bro deal, and I've probably done it, right? <laughs> and, and... Um, but, but what I've came to the conclusion of after a long time and effort is that you pay me for my service. I pay you for your service and long-term it works out much better. Yeah, definitely. That's a, um, that's a really tough one. You know, I, I think you, you find yourself in a bind, you know, somebody is ex expressing interest in being a coach for you and, you know, you look at your PNL or whatever and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I don't know if I can pay this person. What if I just give them a free membership? And then all of a sudden, it, like before you even know it, it's happening. Right. Because you you're, you're in a bind. You want to go on a vacation with your wife for the weekend. Yeah. Right. You're like, hey, John, can you just step in? But let's talk about on the legal side, right? Oh, and yeah. This, now, this is a, now, you have a legal background, but we're yeah. not going to get too much into the legal side because that's not appropriate for this particular conversation. Yeah. We will caveat this by saying... Any information we're sharing right now, you need to go out and go do research on your own. But we will start off the conversation by saying this. There's contractors and employees. What's the, what are, what are some characteristics just to be aware of? Oh, broad strokes, broad strokes. Yeah, you definitely need to do, I'm, all I'm going to say is you need to do your research about how you're classifying your people who are on your team and how you're paying them and what your expectations are because there's really clear division between who is an independent contractor and who is an employee. And there's a whole list of things that you can look up to say, all right, this person is now an employee versus this person is now an independent contractor. You know, do you give them a uniform? Do you set their schedule? Do they have a set number of hours that they work? All these types of things. They care of their own insurance. Exactly. Do that create a difference? It's really, really important for gym owners, and you know this even better than I, that you, that you have the correct classification for your employees. 
So guys, um, this is not a scare tactic. This is just a fact. If you're bringing on people because you're not paying, if you if you don't think you could pay a coach to bring them on for free, stop it. Pay people, <laughs> right? When you pay, you can set an expectation and that expectation needs to be clearly set. Mm-hmm. Number two, when you bring them on, unless they work at other places, hold their own insurance, do X, Y, and Z, they need to be brought on as an employee. And here's the reason why. EOD, employment department, whatever. They want their taxes. So if you're an independent contractor, the employer does not need to pay employer taxes. Well, these guys want those employer taxes. So they will come and they will audit you. We get audited all the time. And if these people are classified wrong, they'll come back and ask for back taxes. You don't want to be in that situation. Second to that, make sure you look up the difference between exempt versus non-exempt employees. If you don't know what that is, do a simple Google search. I wish I had done that three years ago. It would have saved our company a lot of money. So go look it up on your own, though. Yeah, this is—I mean—that's just some cursory information for you guys who are who are listening. Go out and do your due diligence. I, I actually want to get back to something yeah, we talked so, about earlier yeah, because yeah. bringing on somebody onto your team. What do you what do you look for when somebody approaches you or, or you are trying to find somebody? And um, I had the opportunity and the privilege of, of talking to our coaching staff the other day at at our summit. Yep. And I made I made a statement to the to the to the, to the team. Excuse me, and I said. I care more about the content of your character than your clean. I care more about the content of your character than your clean. And that means I don't care if you can clean 225 pounds. I don't care if you are right now figuring out how to coach the clean and you're still working on your progressions. If you're a good person, if you care, if you give a shit, if you go into the work every day with the best intentions, with a positive attitude, if you smile, that's what I'm looking for because we can take anybody in the world and you can mold them into a better teacher, seer, corrector. They can learn how to use progressions. They can learn how to teach and how to coach and they can work on their skills. It just takes a lot of reps and it takes time and effort, but you can't teach somebody to care. No. And I think um, something else you brought up in our team meeting, which I thought was pretty powerful, is you were reading from a book that every day kind of gives you something to focus on, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Daily Stoic. Daily Stoic. And I thought one of the things that you brought up that I, that I thought was quite interesting was um, how you do something is how you do everything. Yeah, how you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I, I thought that was pretty powerful because we had had a situation where, you know, we had a, a team member, phenomenal team member, who did something that was not in line with our vision and our mission, and we had to let him go. Yeah. And and that was really tough on us. Mm-hmm. But I think what was interesting about that, and you use as an example without names, mm-hmm. is that you set the expectation that, hey, I'm going to expect a lot from you. But in return, you could expect that I'm going to expect this out of myself and everybody on the team. Yeah. But you can't have exceptions to that, right? Because how you do uh, anything is how you do everything, right? So if you have one of these mishaps, it's a poor reflection overall. It's a poor reflection on, on you, on I, and on the brand if we don't do something about it. If you have somebody on your team that does something that causes you to, you know, question their trust or or anything like that you have to take action because if you're asking these things from everybody on your team and then you start to make exceptions your team members going to look at you and they're going to say you know what matt you're bullshit jason you're bullshit because this happened over here and you didn't do anything about it so why do i have to rise to the level of expectation that you're saying right now and it was it's really tough because you know that you ask a lot out of people and you're asking for maturity and you're asking for calmness of of mind and you know all this kind of stuff and 
everybody in the world has made mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. You know, I've lost, you know, my temper, you know, outside of the walls of the gym. And it, it happens. But like, hey, man, this is now you're at work. Now you're in a professional environment. You have to set the expectation. And if people walk outside of those bounds, you certainly can have empathy and you certainly can forgive. But if it's something that goes against your core values, you got to take action. Yeah, 100%. So the last couple of minutes here, I do want to just summarize a couple of things. You know, we, we kind of talked about more of a um, holistic approach to coaching methodology. But if you are an owner out there and you're currently coaching five, six classes a day, you're coaching more than three in a row, you're in a position where you're generating enough revenue. Maybe you're bringing home some money to pay the bills, but not enough where you think you could pay a coach. I strongly encourage you sit down, reflect, take one or two classes a day. Start paying a coach $25 an hour, whatever it may be. Identify if they should be an independent contractor or employee. But just start with a part-time person. Find somebody. And I promise you, I promise you with everything I know, that if you identify the right person, they will take on some of your scope so that you could go out and focus during that hour on getting new leads and growing your business. Yeah. Even if you just do the simple math behind it, you start thinking about the value of your time, right? Yep. If you're going to pay a coach let's say 25 or even if you're going to pay them $30 an hour, which is a pretty good hourly wage for a coach, 35, even 35 bucks yeah. an hour. Now you're saying that, hey, my time is worth 35 bucks an hour, which is should be low because yep. you should value your time pretty high. That's right. And if you can go and you can find a member, you can do something within that time, that hour that builds a bigger lifetime return than 35 bucks, that should be a no-brainer. Yep. Obviously, you got to go out there and you got to- yeah. Even if you're paying that coach $100, right? Take, yeah. take, take the email we got today. Mm -hmm. Hey, we went from 63 members to 100 members by taking one hour a day and focusing on growing the business. That's fantastic. That right there, your revenue thousands just went up by $4,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You just overpaid that person and you're good to go. That's amazing. So guys, the first step is if you're not going to be able to pay, if you don't think you could pay a coach, you'll never be able to pay a coach. Mm -hmm. You need to start by paying a coach and identifying it. When we first brought on a CFO, this was like four years ago, I was freaking out to bring him on because I didn't know how much money we made. The only way that I knew our business was profitable was because the bank account was going in a vertical direction. <laughs> I had no idea where the money was going. I told myself, I don't know if I could afford this, but guess what? I had to do it. Once I did, we figured it out and it's exponentially helped the business. That's cool. So MDV, mm -hmm. I think um, I really liked what you said about how you do anything is how you do everything. It's mm -hmm. really powerful for me. I encourage all of you guys to get out there, go get after it, grow your business, help your coaches, support the team, and um, let's keep doing great things, huh? Hell yeah. Thanks for having me on again. All right, guys. Mm -hmm.